Welcome back to the Snake and Sickle podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Lorenzo, and joining me as always is uh, my good friend, Hugh. Yellow. And a new special guest, uh, Colin. Hello there. Might want to get a little closer to the mic there. Hello there, Colin Kaprinsky, yep. Cool. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to talk about all sorts of things. Guns, mass shootings, big tech censorship, you know, the hell that we live in today, mm-hmm. whatever. So... Let's get started um, about guns. So I posed with you the question. I, I gave you the question, and you answer how you will. What do you think? So if you're going to educate someone who doesn't know anything about guns, what's the best way to educate them and get them convinced against gun control? Or not even against gun control, but like more pro-Second Amendment. So most people, I'll, I'll start off with, most people get most of their knowledge, if not all, from social media and your mainstream news. It's going to be the number one place you don't want to get it because everything that they base their facts or quote statistics on is always going to lean towards their view. Um, Obviously, with firearm deaths, um, about 80% or a high percentage of that is from suicide. So a lot of people are automatically thinking, no, guns are rampant everywhere. A lot of people are dying from them. And although that may be true, the majority is from suicide. Uh, Obviously, that doesn't fit their narrative. Uh, More people are dying from actual uh, stabbings or punch or whatever. hands and feet are actually more lethal than let's say your big band bad ar-15 um but educating them is important so that you know that um, gun control is not actually for the good of people it is to disarm the people um a lot of people don't see it that way a lot of people think um the second amendment is going to be for hunting or sporting it's not well-regulated militia yeah so it the actual intent is obviously before it was written we had the colonists fight against the British. Um, the the point of the Second Amendment is to arm the people with equal arms to what the military has, so that if your government becomes too tyrannical, you're able to overthrow that government. I know a lot of people see that as completely unreasonable, but that's actually quite prevalent. Uh, China, Venezuela, um, Cambodia, all those are perfect examples. Germany, Nazis, yeah. yeah, and all those people would probably wish they had some form of a second amendment to protect themselves Uh, obviously they didn't so people have to realize that although you may think the gun control may be good for you know protect people keep people safe the the bottom line goal is to disarm the people uh it kind of makes everyone feel good you know knowing hey there's no more 30 round mags in my street or whatever it is um a criminal um most crime is obviously going to happen in uh, cities Criminals not going to arm themselves with a 10-round mag. They're not going to arm themselves with a legal firearm. Uh, if you look at New York City, that has the strictest gun laws out of everyone in the nation, and yet people are still violating basically all the laws. Well, Chicago as well, like Ch- Chirac. Chicago, yeah, Detroit, uh, Oakland. None of those criminals are going to follow the law. That's what makes them a criminal. Um, so people need to realize that. A, a gun law only affects those who are law-abiding. It has no, absolutely no impact on uh, criminals. If anything, uh, if you were to completely ban things, your crime is actually going to go up. The number one thing that people can do to protect themselves is arm yourself. Uh, get a valid concealed carry permit, or some states don't even need that. Uh, you are a deterrent from crime when you tell people you can no longer defend yourself, like in New York City. Uh, and then obviously you have police stretched thin. If I'm a criminal, I'm going to want to do crime in New York City because I know there's not going to be a law-abiding citizen there um, to stop me. So people need to realize that gun control has no effect on crime. It only has an effect on a law-abiding citizen. Uh, and that mainstream news and uh, social media is probably the worst place to get your info. Everyone there, obviously, is going to try to label everything as, as the worst possible case. They're never never going to highlight cases of people using firearms for lawful uh, self-defense. I think about two months ago there was going to be an attempted mass shooter in Arkansas, and there's a man who had a rifle and he stopped that shooter. There's a shooting in Texas. A man by the name of Jack Wilson had a valid CCW and he stopped that threat. So CCW, uh, concealed carry weapon. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, like that's kind of a thing that I've I've heard of like pro second things where it's like if the idea of mutually assured destruction is on the table if you go in and try to shoot shoot up a place and you know everyone around you could shoot you back. That's a huge deterrent. <clears throat> I remember talking with a friend of mine and he's like, 
why don't we just give everyone a gun? That way the playing field is legal and, or no, not legal, equal. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, that kind of sounds, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. No, Thomas Jefferson had uh, a quote, I'd rather have dangerous freedom than peaceful slavery. Um, you look at somewhere like Switzerland, everyone's armed there. I can guarantee the government's not going to try anything dumb. They're clearly not going to get invaded. They never really have. Um, and the majority of people that own firearms, obviously, if everyone who had a gun was shooting people, then we'd be in a war zone. But that's simply not the case. Majority of deaths are from a suicide, um, from suicide. So that doesn't really have any factor. And then again, the majority, I believe, police shootings are actually included in there, um, which is a little bit more. Uh, and then mass shootings equates for less than one percent. So I've and doesn't also mass shooting just can like isn't it like four more people? Four more people sounds about right. Uh, in that case, there's going to be a lot of mass shootings in Chicago, Detroit. No one cares about that, though, because um, most of the time those people aren't using uh, your big, scary, you know, ghost guns or AR-15s. Well, they're going to be using, like, Uzis or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're gonna be using whatever they can get their hands on, and most of the time that's going to be a handgun. Um, you'll notice politicians tend not to target handguns because handgun is uh, the most common firearm for civilian use. Uh, AR-15s are actually increasing. There was a ruling in California that just ruled AR-15s to be uh, legal, mm -hmm. and the judge, Roger T. Benitez, who's from Cuba, so he knows what oppression is, uh, said that there's actually more AR-15s than F-150s. Um, so it's definitely common out there, and it's only using um, crime because, obviously, it's an efficient tool. And I'm saying that, and a lot of people are saying, you know, that's why it needs to be banned, but you also have to realize... Car's an efficient tool. For car is an efficient tool, Yeah. Um, you can mix household cleaning agents and make that an effective tool. Um, car doesn't require background check. It doesn't require. It does require registration. Um, but those are using a lot more. Ammonia and bleach don't require uh, <laughs> uh, background check or registration. And if you mix those together, you commit a war crime. Correct. Um, but a car. All things considered, more people are probably going to die from a car than an AR-15. But you don't see legislation trying to ban. Uh, F-150s or Tahoes or anything <laughs> like that. Well, well, I'd like to ban them off the suburban roads, personally, because I hate driving around them. But no, I'm I'm kidding. I, um, I've yeah. I have a quick uh, question, then I I have some two cents to add into this. But uh, 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 uh it's directional, so you kind of want to keep that close. To oh mouth. yeah, true. Okay, here we go. Really close to my mouth. Okay, <laughs> you guys are basically kissing me right now, but it's okay. Um, so what? Do you think we have a mass shooting problem in America? No. Um, just flat out, no. The the mass shootings are only covered because it fits a direct narrative. For a lot of years, actually, since 1934, gun control has existed. Uh, and it hasn't it existed before that, but only for like black people? Yeah, so that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is that uh, a lot of states actually had a lot of laws restricting people of color, black people are their right to carry or have a firearm. Um, that would actually be the number one reason why a lot of gun control existed. Um, but And uh, striking workers. Um, I think something about the Haymarket Massacre, one of those big uh, labor union uprisings, uh, one of the corporations was like, hey, we don't want these guys to form a well-regulated militia, put in some gun control. Well, actually, a more modern-day example would be California. California used to have open carry, uh, and I think the Black Panthers either went to the Capitol or something like that, and directly after they, um, you know, used their Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms, uh, California passed a ban on open carry of firearms uh, solely because the Black Panthers obviously went to the Capitol with firearms. So there's still modern-day examples of that, um, but there's nothing more great for a politician than to have a shooting when um, someone uses a certain firearm that politicians obviously hate. Uh, if you look at Las Vegas, um, there's a bill um, to deregulate suppressors. I'll kind of go into that later. Um, and a second that shooter used a bump stock, um, that was gone, and more gun control went into effect, uh, revolving around bump stocks. But when someone uses that firearm in a way, however you may interpret this, it is a good day for a politician. They have a more... Uh, they have political ammo. They, they, when, when, when someone uses a firearm, the politicians get lots of ammo to use for whatever cause. 
Yeah. Metaphorical ammo. Yeah. <laughs> Literal ammo. They collect it all now. Yeah. Uh, so I have a question. Um, do you think we need a more rigorous background checks or more rigorous training? So training, most of the time, when it's implemented by a government, is off the dime in the pocket of someone. Obviously, someone who may be a single mother, when a lot of them are arming themselves now, don't have the time nor the money to get that training because most of the time the government is saying for you to get this permit, you have to spend your own dime, your own time, and it's usually like 30 hours. It's a lot of time. A lot of people don't have that. So training, I think, should be on the own person. I don't think a government should mandate it. And in terms of background checks, they really don't do anything because for some shooters, they'll either acquire their firearm through a straw purchase, which is when you are a prohibited person and you get a family or friend to buy that firearm for you, which is illegal. They still get that gun. Um, that or they had no pre-existing mental health or you know domestic abuse or anything like that. That didn't exist until they used that firearm. And obviously, you really can't pass anything or sign into law anything that would prevent that shooting from happening, even with a background check. You know, if you pass it, you had no pre-existing issue, and you're able to legally acquire it. So, do, I don't do you think some of the background check things that we have now are okay? Like, do you think there should be some sort of like tiny little bit of like, hey, let's make sure you're not, like, you know, <clears throat> I know the idea of like someone like a schizophrenic getting a gun like i know there's a hot debate around that but should there be something where it's like oh this person is very clearly like very mentally ill let's make sure they're stable well if someone's that mentally ill uh one biggest topic is felons you know felons get out and they're uh, not they're denied arms if they're not allowed to have a gun i would see that as um they really shouldn't be in society if you're not able to arm yourself also, they're probably if they if they really want to commit the crime again, they're gonna further go down do the illegal path. But a schizophrenic, if if they're able to be in a normal society, they should be able to be armed. You can't really have it half away. That is, you're in a normal society, you're doing your thing. Oh no, you can't have a gun. Yet they're still gonna be able to acquire a gun. They're still gonna be able to acquire a kitchen knife, which is what happened and happens in England. Um, so acid attacks as well, from what I remember. Yeah. So in a way, background checks, in my opinion, although a lot of people say, you know, we need more background checks. Background checks really don't do much. Um, they may actually, in a way, do more harm than good. Um, if someone had a prior conviction with drug use or something like that, and that's on their record, let's say 20 years ago, and now they want a gun, they may not be able to acquire a gun because 20 years ago they were caught up in some drug bust or something like that. Um, which, in, in a way, more affects inner people in the inner city than rural communities. Well, I think we've d- like established on this that the war on drugs has just been an absolute monstrosity. Yeah, it, it's incarcerated a lot of people for no reason, uh, and it uh, prevents a lot of people from acquiring firearms. Another thing everyone wants is universal background checks. I oppose those. Uh, since the founding of this nation, people have been legally allowed to sell their property to an individual, and that's what a, a private sale is. You're selling your personal property to someone, um, and they are paying you for that property. That's basically been around forever. Uh, and, and again, that won't do anything. You can still do a straw purchase. You can still have a friend buy that gun for you uh, if they're clean, and that's what a lot of these people do. Or you can um, go to a pawn shop and take a gun. You can take a cop's gun. There's a lot of ways to do it. No matter what, a criminal will always find a way to circumvent the law. That's what makes them a criminal. They're not following sure. the law. Sure. So... With this, I actually have a question. So so you say that we don't have a mass shooting problem, but I would say that also with that, there are there does seem to be a large amount of, like, reported, and even underreported, there's a lot of gun crime, and I don't think that attacking the gun necessarily helps, but what do you think is the best way to prevent something like school shootings or, like, I think game crime is a whole separate beast that you need to tackle but like you know going into store and shooting people do you think it is that mutually assured destruction thing of everyone being armed or maybe more intensive mental health stuff because these people are not well well if if you're a criminal you'll get your gun actually you're not a criminal yet unless you're prohibited and you go to a a costco uh, let's say a, a state in missouri this actually happened in a walmart someone tried to go to walmart and shoot people there was a man who was very close uh, who had a firearm, and he held up the uh, attempted shooter. Now, if you are to try to do that in a state like New York where really no one's armed, 
you're not going to uh, encounter a lot of resistance. So have a lot of mass shootings, sorry, have a lot of mass, sorry to cut you off, but have a lot of mass shootings taken place in states where there have been a lot of disarming measures or a lot of gun control stuff? There's been, I believe, two recent shootings in California. There was a shooting in Colorado, which has um, a magazine ban over 15 rounds. Basically, pro-gun or anti-gun, you're still going to have a shooting wherever it is. Um, if you're trying to do a shooting in a state like Texas, like that church shooting, you have a far more higher likelihood of being disarmed because a lot of people carry firearms there compared to you know California, New York, New Jersey. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the more people there are armed legally carrying their firearms, the second you try to go into that Costco, you're either going to get dropped or held up. You go into a Costco where there's really no one armed, you're going to be able to do everything until the cops show up, which is what happened in Colorado. Um, there was, there's no cops there for actually quite a long time, and he did what he did because no one held him up except a good guy with a gun, which was a cop. Gotcha. Uh, so I have a few few questions here. So um, I know we mentioned, we talked a little bit about um, cars and um, how cars do cause a lot of deaths per Could year. Could you pull up the vehicular accident? Versus no, I did not. I was I was looking at something else, but the I was just I I was thinking to myself like we have a pretty rigorous, um, or not rigorous, but there's a, there's a pretty big process, um, and there are you know competency checks to see whether or not you can drive in New York State. Um, so do you think there should be those like a a test of competency with a gun? So. There's multiple forms of that. There could be, again, training. You know, you, you buy a handgun and for you get training with the handgun. I wouldn't say that would really prove anything. Um, we should, I mean, also with that real quick, I think that if you are doing that, you should get some form of, like, you shouldn't have to use designated vacation days for that from work. Because I think that, like, if you are if you are going through the steps, actually, that's one thing that, would help with a later topic that I want to talk about with is like, you know, getting people comfortable with guns. But like, I think if they knew, Hey, if I get this gun, I can do my duty as a citizen and get trained with it without like jeopardizing my job. Yeah. A lot of, again, a lot of States that don't require any permits, uh, example, Missouri, um, Pennsylvania was on their way, got lost in the house for constitutional carry. That doesn't jeopardize anyone. You are able to train and um, get the know-how with your gun on your own time, which is, in my opinion, more favorable. Because um, even look at a cop. They got a lot of training with their handguns, and they still may uh, mess up or spoof. So training or not, it should be on the own person uh, to get their own training. Some people may not even want to carry. They may want to just have a gun in their house. And having a gun is a deterrent no matter what. Um so I think, in a way, having just more checks on someone for firearm purchase is just another form of government restriction. Uh, it just basically kicks more people out of owning a firearm. Um, so no, I, I don't. I don't think having more training or or mandated training or more checks and you know balances that type of not balances but checks on someone's use really won't do anything. Um, Maybe a test if you're going to do like a more more dangerous like something that's a, a real kind of like. <clears throat> Would you say maybe a test for some of like the more extreme ones? I don't, I don't know really anything about guns, but. <laughs> so if you're talking about a test, I would put that into a, a background check because you're basically testing yourself in terms of a, you know, pick up this rifle, see how you can do it. Um, that that really won't do anything, you know. Just telling someone to shoot doesn't at a stale target doesn't do anything. Um, I, I, I wouldn't consider any form of mandated training or a testing to really do anything. Um, the thing is, well, I, I've, so we defined well-regulated militia as um, like the, um, what, the army, right? We were uh, kind of on this consensus. It's, well, uh, well-regulated militia is the citizens. But but the interpretation of 2A, what, what would, so like, I know there's a discussion about what, um, the Second Amendment means, and I think we mentioned earlier how it kind of means um, to be you, the the citizen should be armed like what the military has. Is that correct? Equal, if not uh, better, to what the military has. Recreational nukes. So, Let's bring them out. So then, why 
you know, like the military, for example, has rigorous, rigorous training with guns. I was reading one example where people had to sleep with their firearms to have like the psychological, um, you know, it, it's such a psychological process and everything. And, and they had to go through rigorous training. And so why should, if, if we want to be on a comparable level to the army, why do we as citizens have to go against or, you know, not train? Yeah. Not train. Well, part of part of all their weapons qualifications has to do with their job. You physically have to be able to clean, strip all this stuff with your rifle. Civilians should be able to do that on their own time. Um, we don't have mandatory military service. Uh, if we did, obviously, then everyone would know. But um, some people may just not, again, they may not find the need. Not everyone is obviously going to step up to the plate if you do have a tyrannical government. Um, there's obviously going to be a majority of people who do know how to actively use your firearm in a in a safe and effective way um but the the well-regulated a lot of people say uh, government maintains it or it's regulated and there's things preventing them from going out of bounds you you that logic doesn't make sense because the colonials just got back from fighting the british which is an oppressive government there's no way that they would have wanted it to be yeah, own your guns, but let the government regulate you, right? That's that's counterintuitive. Well-regulated would mean well-maintained. Um, so every citizen knowing how to use their stuff, knowing, like, well-regulated basically meaning, like, the citizens knowing what to do. Well, it would be more the militiamen, right? Not, sure. ev- not every single colonial, uh, I may be wrong on this, took up a gun and joined the militia. It was a select few. Well-regulated militia, meaning the people who are in the militia know how to, and I'd argue everyone that is in a militia knows how to. Um, obviously, you can have your average gun, average gun owner who may not be qualified to, let's say, the level of militia, but they'll still know how. But mandating militia-level training for every single citizen should not be mandated, should not be forced upon people. But so I have a question with that because it's, well, we the whole point of arming the citizens or one of the I know guns can be fun um, and everything, but th- one of the in hunting is fun. But uh, one well, of the hunting ma- also like real clear about that. Hunting can also be very, very vital to someone's ability to eat, especially in rural areas. That's why they'll take like first yeah. day of hunting season off in a lot of rural areas because like you got to get those deer or whatever so you can have some good food for the winter. Yeah, and I'm not anti-hunting by any means. It's, I think that like hunting is way of a safer and um, more it's it's better for the animals than factory farming um just beads factory farming is kind of messed up yeah um but i i think that like we talked about one of the reasons for having the second amendment and the right to arm yourself is to um combat the military and the problem with that is that if you're not on the same level as the military of of training um you're going to get destroyed by the military Well, well couldn't you argue with that that that's why the citizens should know the true meaning of the Second Amendment, or not one of the meanings of the Second Amendment, so that they know, like, it shouldn't be mandated. It should be, no, the citizens should know this meaning so that they can do it themselves. If they really do care, which I think citizens should to, you know, make sure the government doesn't get tyrannical, then it is their responsibility. It's not a mandate, per se, but it's like, you know, it it's it's their responsibility to themselves and their community to do it. Yeah, I mean, but that puts so much trust in the in the individual to uh, to take it upon fathers, themselves. Well, I think that's what the founding fathers, well, some of the founding fathers would have wanted. I think that's the whole our our whole our whole system is based essentially on individualism, except for the electoral college, and that's a separate. Maybe, thing. but uh, of course, you can't. Um, the Founding Fathers wanted a lot of things um, that would not, um, by today's standards, be okay. You know, so you can't really take um, evidence from, you know, 250, 300 years ago and, and say that that, um, that they would have wanted what we have now, you know, considering a lot of them did own state, like, slaves. I think the the thing is not every citizen who owns a gun ever really would want to combat the military. They'd maybe want to combat a home intruder. The people that step up, join a militia, uh, the Boogaloo Boys, everyone had a big rant about that. Those are people who are actually trying to be a deterrent. I, I'm going to bet your 89-year-old grandma who owns a little revolver has no intentions of fighting against the military. 
I would be scared if I was in the military <laughs> fighting against that. Yeah. If if you join a militia and you buy, you know, body armor, which is protected by the Second Amendment, um, you get your, your rifle and, you know, scary rifle, your your ballistic helmet. You are actively trying to have equal equipment to the military. A single mom who lives in the city who buys a little handgun is not going to start buying uh, a ballistic helmet and plate carrier because she has no intentions against fighting that high of a threat. I believe it was uh, the three percenters. Everyone you know, talks about the three percenters. The idea is that three percent of the colonialists took up arms and fought the British. Um, again, that's not the hundred percenters. That doesn't mean you know every single civilian needs to step up to the plate. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Having mandated training, although it may be useful, um, serves no purpose to someone who may not even need their firearm regardless. So militia is going to be your, your first line of defense against a tyrannical government. But um, a lot of people, you know, don't see it that way. They'll, they'll hate the militias because it's a bunch of people with rifles. Um, but in reality, you kind of need a militia to keep the government in check. So if not every arm-bearing citizen is protected by the phrase uh, well-regulated militia, then don't they not fall, fall under the protection of the Second Amendment? The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, Heller versus D.C., uh, the Supreme Court case, ruled that it is an individual right. It is not a state right because I believe it was D.C. and Chicago were basically denying people a permit. So that that is actually a recent Supreme Court case that rules that every single person has okay. a right to keep and bear arms uh, in their household. Outside is different. Uh, actually, right now the Supreme Court's hearing a case. Um, is it the constitutional carry one? Is that they that that went to the Ninth Circuit? Right now, it's actually New York City or New York State because under New York State law, they can basically indefinitely hold your permit or they can basically deny you for no reason. You have to have a lot of clause. You have to say, oh, I have a stock or I have all this stuff. That should be the case. A lot of people don't want to go through that process. I know a few people who, um, you know, I say you can buy a shotgun. They don't want a shotgun. They want a handgun because it's small. You can lock it away. In New York State, you can't do that. You have to apply for a permit. You have to pay the fine. You do have to get training or recertify, I think, every three or five years. That is a very hard process for a lot of people to go through, and not a lot of people want that. Some people just want a handgun or a shotgun, and they'll leave it in their closet. But when you have a bunch of rules and regulations against that, you're, in a sense, in a way, disarming your populace by not allowing them to possess that handgun. So that's kind of what that Supreme Court case is highlighting is can uh, a government basically deny the right to keep and bear arms, which is a pistol permit. Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, so do you think that, like, they, we should not have that rigorous cycle? I know you touched on that a little bit. A, a background check and all the, the ways that we have to prevent someone or keep someone from not having a firearm make no difference to crime. Again, criminals going to break a law regardless. That's what makes them a criminal. So any law that prevents your average Joe from keeping a gun is obviously an infringement because shall not be infringed means you cannot be denied a firearm or it can't be infringed upon, which a lot of the gun laws do now. Well, but but like you said, uh, like uh, a lot of the deaths that are caused by firearms are not um, criminal acts. They're, 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 they're suicides. suicides. Actually, that's a good point. Like, and I think, well, maybe if you're going to go with that route, the, the the way to – wow, there's, we're just bumping and popping here. Wow. Um the way to prevent more gun deaths is to have a more rigorous mental health and, like, <laughs> make it so that people aren't going to kill themselves. Like, this is actually, it's actually um, a bigger issue I have with a lot of the way a lot of people see issues where they'll, um, a, uh, a good example, and this is going to, if if we weren't, if we weren't risking cancellation before uh, we are now, but, like, you know, um, remember seeing an article that was like, why aren't, um, it was like, why isn't there more diversity in AP classrooms or something like that? It was like, why aren't the accelerated things more diverse? Um, and their answer was racism. My thing was, well, let's look deeper. Why is the education, like, what is preventing what is what is the prohibitiveness and i think that instead of just pointing at the first cause and being like well, guns it's like well why is this person if we're going to talk about gun suicides why is this person 
getting to a point where they want to kill themselves. What in our society or what in their community is doing that? Let's start addressing that. And once you have that, then <clears throat> gun numbers will go down. And I, I mean, also, like, we do kind of have a bit of a mental health crisis. Um, the problem is changing society as a whole is much harder than um, limiting something. You know, it's 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 a hard it's hard to say. You don't need to change. Let's make people happy. You don't need to change society as a whole. You just need to find the main causes that are causing suicide so much. So how would you change uh, people from killing themselves? Well, you invest in. Well, I, I, my, I think in my personal thing, I think that ready access to therapy and counseling should not be as prohibitive as it is. Like, if you want to talk about like Medicare for all or healthcare for all, I think <coughs> therapy universal health care. I mean, that's I, in my opinion, one of the biggest arguments for it. If people can go, and it's also like, and if you do want to talk about social stigma in society. Um, especially for like men, men need to learn, hey, it's okay to talk about your feelings to other people and not bottle them up until you feel like the only way to, to get out of it is to end your life. That's a, it's a huge crisis, especially among veterans. Isn't veteran suicide like one of the main things for suicide? I, yeah. yeah. You know, there are a lot of mental health crises and it's not like, it, it's, it's not a huge society shift thing. It's more like make sure people have ready access to healthcare. Yeah. And just for ordinary people to just look out for their fellow humans and i i think that i don't know if that's a, if that's a huge society shift then we're kind of screwed as a society yeah i mean though i mean i don't disagree with you i think we should have more outlets to you know care and everything like that and um for veterans as well you know that counseling for ptsd and all that stuff would be really helpful and limiting that stuff. So I agree with you there. And I think that's where, well, we can talk about healthcare and everything in another episode, but um, I think we don't want to get on a huge tangent. Um, yeah, health, uh, healthcare is, uh, is, is, is a big deal, and I don't even have a lot of the answers for it. So, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that also, like, one kind of last thing about a lot of the, the, the gun control laws is that a lot of them make very little sense, apparently, to someone who has any knowledge of gun, like, any ad- knowledge of guns themselves. Like, I remember seeing, we were talking about suppressors, or silencers, or whatever, um, <clears throat> and other, um, I remember seeing, like, you can't have certain amounts of magazines or whatever. Or yeah, so I guess I'll go off on a little bit of a, a tangent. So suppressors are one of the, the most frustrating things for people. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, you're not going to be able to hear the gunshot. Uh, that's you're you're basing that solely because of what Hollywood tells you. Hollywood is terrible at everything. Um, just I mean, you can watch movies where like the person just like starts shooting a gun randomly with no like you know the recoil is just non-existent. Like yeah, like a movie like John Wick. They're in an active subway terminal and they have suppressors and they're shooting at each other and no one's paying attention. You you can't. I'm going to go into guys. I guess and to science you can't completely t- eliminate the noise of an explosion that's what shooting a gun is is an explosion within obviously the, the pistol or the rifle there's no way to do that what a suppressor does is it is reducing the sound barrier impact that a bullet has um, suppressors reduce recoil you have more front end weight let's say you're using a handgun that's going to drop your your handgun lower so in a way for all the call of duty idiots out there uh it does reduce uh recoil it doesn't reduce damage i don't know where that comes from if anyway uh, if in some ways it may actually increase your damage by uh, increasing your velocity um so video games movies absolutely do nothing for it you know call of duty you're picking between them all these suppressors because they have little whatever the only differences and the suppressors could be weight uh heat suppressors get very hot in a lot of movies so start shooting and they'll just put in their little briefcase. The briefcase is probably going to have a big hole in it after you've done a lot of James Bond stuff because they get hot. They're containing explosions and gases. Um, but for you to buy a suppressor, you can buy them. You have to put fingerprints, your name. You have to wait basically a year, and then you have to pay a $200 tax stamp. Uh, the NFA in 1934, thanks FDR, um, prohibits or try to prohibit everyone from owning handguns, believe it or not, that got signed out, uh, thankfully. But suppressor ownership is actually on the increase because people realize, hey, it protects my hearing. Although I said it doesn't make it movie quiet, it does reduce your decibel level. So if you're doing something like hunting, even people that may not be all big Second Amendment, you're 
you're going to want a suppressor. Reduces your muzzle flash. Uh, so if you're doing a lot of hunting, uh, it's very common in Texas because there's a lot of boars there. If you want to do coyote hunting, again, suppressor because you're not blowing out your eardrums as fast and you're reducing muzzle signature. So that's something that's really annoying. Well, I think hearing protection also should be a must if you're going out hunting. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's a lot a lot of suppressors do that. They protect your hearing. Now, can you shoot a trillion rounds and not blow out your eardrums? No. It's reducing it. It's not preventing uh, noise damage. Uh, SBRs, one of the things that a lot of people, not so many people have been getting angry about, are AR-15 pistols. They're basically an AR-15. It's got a little uh, pistol brace on it. Pistol brace uh, was designed for a friend. Uh, a guy had a friend who was a veteran, and he didn't have fine motor movement. So you stick your arm in a little uh, piece of Velcro, looking at an image now, and you are able to get a stable shot. That's cool looking. It is It is pretty cool. They're pretty cool. But um, they have been misused by people, and they've been used in some high-profile shootings. Um, but again, the majority of crime is done in inner cities where they're not going to be using a, a pistol brace or even an Air 15 pistol. They're going to be using a handgun. But people are targeting those because it is a shorter barrel, which means it's more concealable. It's not. It's a giant, big, black, basically brick. So Yeah, looking at the picture, I don't know how you could really reliably conceal this. It is <laughs> in, in, a, in a factor, an AR-15 pistol or a short-barreled rifle, a barrel less than 16 inches, it's going to be worse than a regular rifle because you're losing a lot of velocity. When your barrel gets shorter, your velocity gets worse. Your barrel doesn't have as much time, uh, your round doesn't have as much time to go through the barrel. So in a sense, they're trying to ban something that really has no effect on crime. It does nothing. All it does is, once again, infringe on the people's rights. Does it make people feel better? Oh, there's, there's no more people that are going to be carrying around an AR-15 in their, in their coat. No one's been doing that to begin with when this bill well, was passed. Well, that's why we banned uh, sawed-offs, sawed-off shotguns, yes. right? Like that's, I'm, I think something like that maybe where it's like, hey, that's actually something that you can really conceal, and that's something that should probably have some regulation around it, and we're not talking about, like, full-auto, like, AKs. I mean, if you are, then... Well, again, no one wants... The, the NFA was passed. A lot of people actually believe it was passed by um, whatever... Not the, the the ecology department or whatever that was that regulates hunting and poaching, whatever, whatever department it is. People actually think that's why the NFA was passed. Because during the Great Depression, you'd make have people that would be making their own homemade silencers and killing animals that really shouldn't have been killed. That's why a lot of people think they did it. Um, but you had people like Al Capone and all these people who would be having very small firearms. And actually, when people wore trench coats, which they did back then, and longer coats, they would be concealing it. Um, we should bring back trench coats, actually, <laughs> as a side note. They're, they're nice. Um, but short build shotguns is another thing. You, If you notice, uh, you go to a store, a lot of shotguns are actually quite big. It's because your uh, barrel has to be 18 inches or higher. Uh, but a short barreled shotgun is another thing that's actually worse than a regular shotgun. Your your spread or how wide your bullets, uh, your pellets are, is going to be ridiculous with a short build shotgun because there's no, uh, the barrel's not as long. Uh, you're normally not going to have a stock, so you're one-handing in and it'll break your wrist. So the NFA is one of the, it makes people feel better to know that not everyone can own a suppressor in a way, and not everyone has a short barrel shotgun. But in reality, uh, it's just worse. Um, another thing is machine guns. The biggest caveat I have with news is calling AR-15s fully automatic or machine guns. Uh, 1934, when the NFA passed, that regulated machine guns. Same $200 tax stamp regulation. Uh, Ronald Reagan, believe it or not, banned the further possession from 1986 called the Hughes Amendment, um, which basically any machine gun before then could be legally owned. But crime is not committed with fully automatic AR-15s because they're not practical. They're You're not able to get continuous rounds on target, all that type of stuff. So people who call an automatic you know, assault rifle... Complete bogus. You don't know what you're talking about. Assault rifle is a fully automatic AR-15. And again, since 1986, you reasonably cannot own them. They cost like $30,000 because of supply and demand. So that's the number one thing. Everyone's calling them, you know, automatic rifle. stands for Armalite rifle. The company that made the AR-15 is Armalite 15. But I don't know where the 15 came from. Well, it wasn't actually Armalite rifle. So it's like... Yeah. AR, yeah. So, but people people are going to try to nitpick and add little things just to make it more scary. 
you know, automatic rifle, assault rifle. Assault rifle is not a real term. Um, it, it is. It's fully automatic, but for civilian rifles, it's not. So whenever you hear a news reporter or media person saying, oh, we had a assault rifle or automatic rifle or is fully automatic, that's false. Fully automatic is you hold the trigger down uh, and your rounds keep discharging. That's just not there. doesn't exist. Gotcha. That's... Wow, I have been thoroughly educated on gun stuff now. Um, I don't know about you, Hugh, but... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have learned a lot about guns in this segment, but I do have some questions. I want to talk a little bit more about gun control um, in sure. general, because I, uh, I, you know, it is of my opinion that I think we, I think we, we, uh, we disagree, because I do think there should be somewhat of a... Um, like background checks. Background check. And even more than that, I think there should be some sort of gun control. So uh, I guess it's debate time. Um, and I, I just like to say, like, um, like South Africa passed um, a comprehensive firearm control act in 2000, um, which contained banning powerful weapons like automatic rifles, implementing a background check system, requiring people to get permits and licenses before buying a gun. So gun control, you know. Uh, one study found that firearm homicides in five major South African cities decreased by 13.6% per year for the sure. next five years. But you have to, when you see that, you have to check what the other homicides were. Because a lot of times with that type of stuff, one homicide crime will go down, the other one will go way up. For example, we were talking about how um, one, uh, England, it's knives. They don't really have gun crimes, but they have lots and lots of knife crimes. And uh, I think I was talking like Sweden has some crazy thing for like grenade attacks or something. Um, I don't know where to verify that, but uh, well, yeah, you ha- you have to ta- think about that. But the thing is, like, um, I I don't understand why a decrease in firearm homicides is is something that we shouldn't you know it, it's a good thing no matter what the um if we're replacing it with something else that means that we're not actually solving the problem if, well, if, if people if you're like we need to get people on a diet so we're going to ban cake and all of a sudden they just people start eating more and more donuts and cupcakes you're not solving the problem of the people you're solving the you're 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 you're, you're switching out one problem with another so well but that that's you can look at other instances where the where this didn't like uh, in Missouri, they repealed the a law requiring a permit to purchase a firearm in two thousand seven, um, and repealed the state's background check requirement. And after two thousand seven, Missouri's homicide rate jumped by twenty five percent. Their homicide rate. Yes, Colin, you said yeah. Um, so with Missouri and a lot of other states, you also have to look at uh, inner city crime. A lot of Missouri, basically all of southern Missouri, is farming uh, in a lot of, you know, old old towns. There's mm-hmm. not going to be a lot of crime happening there. Um, but what you are going to see, this is basically with all the cases, majority of gun crime, so that's person shooting another person, is going to be in the cities. Majority of, majority of gun deaths are going to be from suicide. So if you're saying gun deaths, you know, have gone up, well, that's just a suicide rate most of the time, if not all the time. But if you talk about homicide, which would mean probably shooting on shooting of people, you also have to look at cities. Populations in cities increase. Uh, drug amount, in- drug amounts increase. Um, there's been a lot of uh, the fentanyl and opioid epidemic. Although yeah, it may not be as um, high level in Missouri as it is in like the Appalachian area. Um, your, your crime increase in Missouri is just going to be on based on Police shootings, which I would believe does actually account for that, uh, and also just gang violence and shootings and all that. So then, why would there be an increase in police shooting and in gang violence? An increase in police shooting doesn't actually really have to do anything with gun control, or in that debate, it can be um, just like just look at why a cop would shoot someone. They are reaching, or they are actually shooting, or they have a firearm. Obviously. Uh, an increase in police shootings really doesn't have to do anything with the gun control debate. It, an increase in police shootings can be happening in the weirdest possible area. Uh, it can happen in Iowa. Why could it be happening in Iowa? Because they have a lot of drugs. You have a lot of people that are, uh, a lot of the times people are trying to die by police. It's called police suicide or suicide by police. When you want to die by getting shot by a police officer, a lot of people get uh, high off of a bunch of whack stuff and they'll... It wasn't like 
IO, that's sort of like, you know, you'll get, you'll, you'll, you'll move out of the traditional crack and stuff. You'll go right to like crystal meth and like, yeah. Yeah. So um, when you're, sorry, when you're, when you're high or on a drug, you'll obviously try to die by police officer. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that may have to do with the Missouri in- increase, but just saying, oh no, I think the background check system had to refer to a background check on handguns. Um, because I know Missouri has very loose gun laws, uh, constitutional carry-wise. But at the same token, look at a state like New York State, when you have the opposite, and yet you still have a higher crime level, if not um, equal. So the thing is, like, 25% is, like, a huge, huge amount. So it's it's hard to... And the same study found that, uh, you know, this is, of course, it could be, you know, you never know with studies, but... Um, it says that the same study found that no other changes in law or circumstance appear to be able to explain the increase. So, um, and, and to your point, I mean, Missouri, it does have some big cities, you know, like St. Louis and they've got Kansas city and they've got these like bigger cities than where we well, live. I, I would look at, if you're gonna look at those big cities, I think that you, you could look at something like that and be like, um, what year did they ban stuff? This was 2007. They repealed the law. All right, 2007. Now, you could look at something like, and none of this is factual. None of this, this is all speculation, but you could be like, hey, what other factors were going on in the big cities of Missouri around this time? Maybe there was something of like, we were talking about the opioid crisis. Maybe all of a sudden there was a spike in like people bringing fentanyl up through those cities. You, I think that with that type of stuff, I think that with those studies, they immediately look at the guns and it's like, it, I, I don't think you can have... I think you just need to really look deep into why that's occurring. Or you have suicide rates going up. Well, but... Okay, oh, oh so homicide, one, sorry. Yeah. One thing is it's, it is homicide, and another thing is uh, it, they do say no other changes in law or circumstance appear to be able to explain the circumstances. No other changes in law, circumstances. Or circumstance. Circumstance is a very loose, loose word. So, But circumstance would be something going on in the city, a circumstance within the city. Sure. And if you um, want to talk about suicides, Austria's 1997 firearm law required background checks, limited access to powerful firearms, and imposed rules about how gun owners had to store their guns. And firearm homicides went down by 4.8%, and suicides also went down by 9.9%. So you can attribute what you already said to uh, the suicide rate going down. Sure. I mean, you. I think that is, I mean, I think that if you if you are going to make a case for gun control, I think the best way to make a case for it is the suicide route. And I think, because I think homicides are such a vastly different, like, they're such a different animal, and there's so many lurking variables within that. And also, I think, with places like Austria or South Africa, they're much smaller and much more easily to be con- easily controlled. Yeah. So I, I think that... You know, if you look at the population of Austria compared to the population of, I mean, even like a, a state in the U.S. Is, is vastly different. And there, I mean, also, and I, I, this is going into territory where I don't really have a lot of facts or whatever, but I would argue there's probably less crime in general in a place like Austria compared to the U.S. Um, the U.S. has a massive drug trafficking problem. I don't know if Austria has the same thing. Um, so, you know, I I think that with those variables, there's there's also a lot of lurking variables with Yeah. So, I mean, we can look at, like, in there was a study conducted by Harvard School of Public Health that said that um, states with more key firearm laws had fewer uh, firearm suicides. Um, and firearm homicides, and that's you know in in new in I mean the United States. So uh, I mean you can't really use the the other country circumstances with sure, this one. Sure, sure. But didn't we already you said that a gun crime is still very high in states with large. Well, you you got to look at where majority of crime is going to be happening. Um, it's going to be happening in cities. I guess the only case that you could possibly see crime not in cities is, again, going to be in probably the Appalachian area because there's a lot of opioids there, and obviously people want their drugs. Um, I don't know how a background check's necessarily going to do anything about suicide. If you are a self-contained person, that doesn't 
share any emotions and you seem perfectly normal, you will probably pass a background check as long as you don't have any predetermined crimes. You can lie in a background check, which is a crime. Um, so if you want to commit suicide, most efficient way to do it is going to be a gun. You can lie your way through it, and there's no way to prevent someone from lying uh, unless you do some sort of weird brain implant thing. So you're going to get your gun regardless. Uh, you're gonna hasn't there been like Neuralink or whatever? Aren't people already trying to put microchips in their brains? I don't know if that would prevent suicide. <laughs> unless I, I, I'm well. I mean, I feel like you'd 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 be at the brink and be like, "Wait, hold on! I want to have Subway, eat fresh, and Burger King right now. Not, not in my life." Yeah, I mean, so to talk about that, I do agree that that is it is kind of hard to to you know because suicide is such like a hard matter to you know somebody can be happy one day and then you know there's so much circumstance that goes into it but th- it is like a you know if you are um if if you do have are diagnosed with being like suicidal maybe you shouldn't have a gun for the time being like how about that like what if you are going to like intensive therapy you're like right on the yeah. brink you're like maybe maybe you just attempted suicide and you're in a psych ward or whatever be like hey since you're in this very fragile state, no guns for you, but once we've, like, approved you of, like, getting back into the real world, like you were saying, get back into the real world, like, if you are in an intensive care type of thing, or, like, maybe you have someone living with you, or, like, assisted living or whatever, or that type of stuff, maybe you shouldn't have a gun, but the minute you're able to rejoin the real world, and even then, I think that with the... I think with all of this the imposing gun control stuff is slapping a band-aid onto a problem that 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 doesn't it's not actually fixing th- the problems i think that you know it's like people are like guns don't kill people people kill people well yeah but there's also massive you know cr- why would a big city have this massive crime spike and sure banning guns in the short term may like have an initial dip but is that really solving the problem? Is that are you are you getting rid of all the criminals that were using those guns? Are you getting rid of all the issues that has to happen? It, the issues are still going to be there, and if you actually want to get meaningful change, you have to dig right to the heart of it. It's like, you know, it <laughs> it's it's almost like if you're feeling bad and you go eat comfort food. Yes, you're technically going to make yourself feel better in the short term. But that's not actually going to fix the problem. You're going to start feeling bad the next day. You have to go into the depth. And wow, I'm really getting into like self help therapy stuff. Yeah. Here, but no, you wow, have to. You're get my in. new therapist. <laughs> go eat food. Okay. No, no, <laughs> don't, don't trust me. As someone who has, uh, uh, has done that, it's not great. Yeah. Because then when you're on For the sure. toilet, the toilet does is not very good. Actually, I will say, good poop does feel like a, a release of some kind <laughs> um, no but uh or wait what's the, what's the what the serotonin a <laughs> good poop releases serotonin serotonin oxytocin <laughs> or whatever yeah um but um <laughs> oh, jesus uh, <laughs> um but no welcome the to snake and sickle podcast oh yeah we, talk, we about talk about poop and gun control but um <laughs> no it, I think that you have to get to the heart of the issue. You have to you, you have to look inside yourself and why is this happening? Why, like, it's. I know I keep doing these analogies, but it's like you, you yeah. have to you have to keep finding. You have to find the heart of the problem. It's like going back to some of our conversations we had about like woke stuff and like the ways to solve it and yeah. or like it's, you know yeah. the the you know poverty and stuff like that. Why you have to look at the why yeah, and, why and until every option has been exhausted i think since guns are the most surface level thing you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper well but the thing is like we taught you you mentioned like inner cities you know and um i i think that what i have what i my what i i'm proposing is more of like a federal mandate you know just because of <laughs> and i know i know we we've, we've just got had a shocked reaction not i'm not saying like like banning all guns you know i'm not saying that i think oh, guns yeah. are i think guns are uh, Maybe one day I'll purchase a a handgun. I don't I don't know we're, you know or I'm I'd, gonna we're gonna slowly work on you, Hugh. Don't worry. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love like hunting. Maybe I'd I'd do someday. You know I I don't know what I'm. I, I but I think that the the thing is that 
like for example in Chicago, the majority of guns used in violent instances come from Wisconsin and Indiana, where there is r- less regulation. Well, you could argue according to the Chicago police. Sure, but those guns in Wisconsin and Indiana are they legal guns? Are they guns that have been yes. ad- obtained? Are they legal guns? Do they say they are guns that have been bought legally in Wisconsin, or do they just say well, the guns have been attained? Well, they they said where there is less regulation, so I assume that they the regulatory they're like, they're they're trying to well yeah, but also you the majority of firearms purchased in this country are done legally. Is that yeah? That that'd be correct. You're the only time you're really gonna obtain an illegal firearm, um, is if you're. Technically speaking, if you're a prohibited person, so like a felony, if um, you haven't committed a crime and you obtain a firearm, that's not illegal. It's illegal once you have committed a crime before and you obtain your firearm. Obviously, once you commit a crime with that firearm, Wisconsin, Indiana, all of those states, actually, Illinois' gun laws aren't that strict. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it more like in the well, cities? Chicago, yeah, yeah. Chicago has really strict gun laws. Yeah, because some states have, I think, it's called preemption law, meaning a city cannot do its own gun control. It has to be statewide. Uh, for example, Texas and Missouri. Missouri gun laws are again very loose. Kansas City gun laws, I believe, or maybe it's Texas, have to follow that of Missouri. It's a preemption law. Obviously, Illinois doesn't have that. Illinois also doesn't have a ban on. Uh, 30 round high capacity mags only certain counties do because they allowed counties to make that decision which in my opinion is better than new york state new york state uh basically the city oppresses the rest of the state i can guarantee if you go down to rural parts of new york you're going to see repeal the safe act nobody in rural new york state wants to be limited on how they defend themselves that's my one again i said that's my biggest argument or my biggest issue my biggest issue out of all the gun control, I'm kind of diverging away from your question, but yeah, is a ban on magazines. Your cops don't have ban on magazines, and you see what they have to go through. As citizens should not be uh, restricted on how they defend themselves. That's a stupid argument. Saying, oh, you don't need more than 10 shots to defend yourself. Uh, if Who are you to say that I can't? Yeah. If you have three home intruders, that basically, I don't know what the math is, then let's say three rounds. That means you have to make, you have to defend yourself per person with three rounds. That's a ridiculous, even most police officers can't do that. They normally add, what, two magazines per person. That's 30 rounds. That's a, it's a stupid. Well, even then with that, like, you know, I, I, I remember hearing something with, with shotguns where it's like, you, it's not all one ammo. Isn't it like birdshot, buckshot, birdshot, whatever? It's like. So if you're going to say, well, that's, you know, that's a whole different story. But, like, uh, with um, guns that aren't shotguns, can you put different types of ammo in per thing? or If, if you put, um, for the Call of Duty geniuses out there, <laughs> for the M13, there's a, an ammo called a 300 Blackout. If you put that in a normal AR-15, your gun will explode. Shotgun's really the only ammo that's... Varied? Varied. A Glock 19, which tries 9mm, you can only fire that. So shotgun's about it. Some revolvers, um, I think it's 44 Magnum, you can shoot 38 out of. You put 38 in a 44 Magnum, it's either going to explode or not work. Shotgun's about the only uh, type of gun you can cycle other rounds through. Gotcha. All right. So yeah. my, my point there isn't really made, but I still think, why, like, are you going to assume I'm some sort of, like, <laughs> military genius, like, that I can, you know, take people out and... Because I mean, there is something, especially in the cities, that's where you could see a lot of handguns being bought. In in my opinion, I could see, like... I mean, I know that uh, uh, gun ownership has been on record highs in cities as of the past year with, mm-hmm. you know, mostly peaceful burning and uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is that... Um like, in terms of, yeah, again, handguns are cool with me. Well, you know? but here's the thing, also. I think with also the gun violence stuff, I think you have to juxtapose, is it, are the lives lost worth it compared to the lives saved? How many people do we know have been saved using guns? So, I think if we have that, I remember seeing something that it actually was far more than the people that have lost their lives due to gun right. violence. Well, and, uh, yeah? I have a different statistic here. But I don't know, like, 
this thing that I saw from Harvard Politics said that for every time a gun is used in self-defense, there are seven assaults, 11 suicide attempts, and four accidents. So you're more likely statistically to die from your own gun than save or protect someone with it. Uh, it's, I, self-defense. It's, I, I think self, I, what about defense of others? Or we'll save someone, protect or, yeah. someone. It, it's, you're more likely to die from your own gun than save or protect someone with it. And even then, the FBI, FBI compiled a 2014 report examining 160 active shooter events taking place between 2000 and 2013. Five of them, armed individuals, were who were not members of law enforcement, exchanged gunfire with the shooter, leading to either the shooter being killed, wounded, or taking his life, whereas 21 of them ended with unarmed citizens safely restraining the shooter, in fact. You know, so I have to look at... Sorry. Um... 2004 is when uh, an assault weapon ban ended, so I'm going to, in a way, exclude two years. Also, the overall gun ownership during those years is going to be a whole lot less. There's a map on the internet somewhere of states that have loosened their concealed carry laws, and very fastly, states have been loosening it. Beforehand, uh, obtaining a handgun concealed permit was actually pretty hard, even in your, quote, free states. Um... Oh, also, um, a quick thing, just stat thing. Um, it says there were 39, around, roughly around 40,000 firearm-related deaths in the U.S. in 2019. And uh, there was a range from 60,000 to 2.5 million defensive gun uses on that year. What's your source? The CDC. Wait, so what is, you're saying defensive gun? Defe- so that's either a home invasion? Protect and defend oneself, family, others, and or property against crime or victimization. This is the CDC. So Yeah, it's it's still... Um, that's more people being saved, or more well, things being saved. Well, it's still like, you gotta, you, again, think about driving. Like, there are people that drunk drive, and there are people that get away with it. Um, and they drunk drive, and they don't hurt anybody. But then there are people that do hurt I, and I kill people. I think we know, personally know a couple people that have... With it. Yeah, I'm sure there are tons. There are tons of people at, you know, in our high school and all over, um, that drink and drive and they get away with it. Um, but we don't take away cars because of it, you know. Yeah. Oh, y- you're making you're making an argument for us. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> we we don't take away. Well, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that like. Get closer to the mic. Yeah. So when you when you drink and when you drive, it's you still are. Um, what am I? What, how am I trying to phrase this? You you're you are arrested for drink. Well, no. Hold on. How am I trying to phrase this? I don't know. Let me get back. To, get back to me in like a minute. Once <laughs> um, I think through right. my. I'll step in. There's drinking and driving. There's an ultimatum. You drink and drive, you get arrested, but you don't kill anyone. Or you drink, drive, kill someone. There's really no other ultimatum with a gun. Uh, you commit a crime, uh, you're going to go to jail, but you're not just going to get a verbal warning. If you do anything stupid with a gun, you will most definitely end up in jail. There's no way to screw up with a gun, in my knowledge, and just get away with it and not go to jail and say, oh, sorry, you, you can't shoot or shoot you know, at the highway, which wh- whatever it is, there's no other ultimatum. It's basically... Misuse a firearm, jail. Kill someone with a firearm, jail. That's the same thing with a, a car. But with a car, you can do, ultimately, a lot more stupid things with a car and not get a life sentence like you can with a gun. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's. Yeah, I I guess I was trying to... Yeah, do you want water? Right. I was trying to say something I, uh, I didn't think through initially. But I would say, um, like, there... Um. So the the law, I guess it's I guess it's hard because like, um, in terms of drinking and driving, you have um. You have um a law-abiding person. That is, you must be sober to operate a car, and a law-abiding gun owner who uh has to be um. Is there anything against uh, using a gun while drunk? Oh, yeah. That's actually a good question. Um, In a public setting, in most states, I believe... So, this is another thing that has to do with individualism. You're kind of... 
it's kind of a roll of the dice, I guess, in a sense. If you're on private property and probably like, I think probably 48 states other than, of course, your stupid ass New York and California, you can shoot a firearm on proper, private property while drunk. That's one of the most American things you can hear. Um, the bald eagle sound in the background, yeah. country music. Yeah. So you, you can you can basically do everything with a gun while drunk. Um, I guess I guess in a sense, uh, a lot of states you can't have a firearm on you while you're at a bar, which in a sense makes sense. You're drunk, and then you're going to start to do stupid shit. It's the same thing with the car, same premise. Yes. Um, most states, again, you can do stuff with a firearm while intoxicated as long as it's on private property. Um, but again, you really can't go out in Tennessee open carrying a rifle while drunk. You'll be arrested immediately. So do you think that's acceptable gun control? In in the sense of... I, You can also see the point of having a firearm in a bar as useful. Um, I'm not saying... Get into like bar gun fights. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, it's appropriate to use a firearm against someone, but if someone is threatening someone at the bar's life or threatening your life. If I had the option, I would rather carry a firearm and protect myself or others than just sit there and get stabbed by some drunk idiot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm saying in in theory, it sounds good. You know, no guns in bars. But if you go into it a little bit deeper, you'll say, hey, maybe I would want a firearm if I'm getting assaulted at a bar or outside of a bar. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, uh, that was uh, the podcast about guns. Um, yep. I would really thank you, Colin, for coming on. For sure. Um, it was it was very informative, and uh, I like to. I mean, I think we both like to have you on again for yeah. other episodes. An episode like a deep dive on Trump would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, and I'm happy I can educate you guys on just yeah. just a s- sliver of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I there's a lot I took away from today, and I I feel like there is so much that I don't know after this episode about all that stuff. Which yeah, is, I know. Which really cool to see, and, for and, sure. And that's the thing. Once people just get that hint of like, oh, there are some issues, then you can start educating. And, you know, I we've 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 ended the last two episodes, or the last couple, you know, we've, we've ended our episodes by shaming the viewers. So let's uh, do let's more shame. shame. Yeah. All right. Uh, please educate yourself on this stuff. Again, I say this every time, an infographic on Instagram does not equate proper knowledge. <laughs> I went on the CDC and had data that that, yeah. that, that was stuff. Look at this stuff. Please, yeah. please do. And to all you Instagram activists out there, just a little bit, a little shaming to get you guys educated. And for those of you out there that um, just, just try your, like, just talk to people that you don't agree with and you don't understand, like, you just even if you don't end up not like continuing to not agree with them you 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 learn something you know and it's just like stop being a you know i don't know jerk yeah get out <laughs> get out of your echo chamber and start stop being one-sided you. about everything that's why we had colin on here i mean i agree with him more than i would have a year ago and i know yeah. you, i'm getting you there hugh don't worry oh <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> Listen, you're starting to get me on the universal health care. Listen, if I yeah, can... Yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe there will be someday where we will have some sort of common ground. We just turn into complete anarchists. Yeah, that's really the way... You, the, the horseshoe theory. <laughs> yeah, reject... <laughs> we'll wrap around. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just wrap around and turn into complete anarchists. Yeah. But yeah, uh, anyway, you know, do the YouTube game. Obliterate that like button. Butcher that subscribe button. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we will see you next episode.